0: Okay, check one, two. This is the return of Ira Glass episode. He got me on speakerphone last time, and um, I'm going to bust him on speakerphone because he. it's 5.01, and we were supposed to talk at 5 o'clock.
1: Big let me call you back.
0: Okay, when? Okay, bye. Bye. All right, so that was a failed attempt. He did pick up. However, he immediately said, I will call you back. To be clear, I said, when he hung up. And that is our friendship in a nutshell. Hello. you big Z?: big Z's? Hey, man. How's it going? Going good. How's it going? Going good. How's it going? You've fallen into my trap once again. You're on speakerphone. But now
1: that, but you, now know now that you know that I'm in my studio and I'm recording you my, you voice my, my voice from my, from my, studio, from my studio, studio, you can take me no, off, can take off speakerphone. Phone. So that way you can get so you can my can voice get get at full my fidelity from, from my recording.
0: recording. You know what I have to say to that, Ira? What? What? Tell me something I don't know.
1: <laughs> You've won so much, young Jedi.
0: <laughs> um, you know, it's been so long. It's, you know, you did the first episode in June. And since then, I don't know if you're following the progress. We've won a, a Pulitzer. <laughs> the Working It Out podcast has won a Pulitzer. <laughs> did, you, did you ever win one of those? <laughs> what was it? Was it your first couple of years or was it like... After like a long time.
1: <laughs> and and which, which which episode won you the, the Pulitzer?
0: Oh, I don't remember. I mean, I the think episode? it was just sort of like Great yeah. Work. Mm-hmm. I think it was like uh, the Pulitzer for Great Work All Around podcast's uh, humor category, I think.
1: Well, that's obviously a very coveted category that not everybody can win.
0: We also won the Peabody. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever win them? We're only 8 months in, Ira. So like think about what we could do. We've won the Pulitzer, we've won the Peabody. Um we may win the Super Bowl. <laughs> we've won several hot dog eating competitions. That
1: that that is just that's an incredible string of achievements. That's that's I I feel I feel um I I I like I will I will say like like although everything you're saying right now is completely ridiculous I I I, I it has been fun over the last few months when you and I have, have talked to hear just like what an actual podcaster you've become like like you and I I'm had a, such a nerd you, you and I have had a, you and I had a phone conversation last week and literally the content of the phone conversation was you called me up to say you guys did an edit of an episode <laughs> and then you accidentally <laughs> left something in and then you heard yes. that and then you had this moment of insight that not only could you take that part out, but you could take yeah. out another seven minutes in addition, and we discussed how satisfying it is to cut 10 yeah. minutes from a story. And, and I just feel like, oh yeah. my God, you have really you're not a comedian anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've left Some show would business. argue I never
0: was, IRA. Some would argue <laughs> I never was. <laughs>
1: like I remember when you would have little bits on little scratches of paper and you would sure. go to the cellar and you'd wait for your turn and
0: sure. they'd yeah. let you
1: on stage and you'd try out material. Th- that's the past, baby. Now you're just like in the Pro Tools session with Jad Abumrad.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, So we're returning Um, because you were the first episode of the show. You helped sculpt the show. Um in its formative stages. Now, it's pretty well-formed. We we have a hello section up front, which is this. We goof around, we mm-hmm. we get our bearings. We have the slow round, uh, which is uh, sort of questions from uh, childhood, childhood memories, things like that. Um, I got this from uh, Mary Carr's book, Art of Memoir, which I, I love as a question. I don't even know if you'll answer it, but I love it as a question. What do people like most and least about you?
1: You mean in my personal life? <laughs> yes.
0: I love that pause. You mean in my personal life?
1: Um, I'm intermittently very thoughtful. and that And that leads to both the most and the least thing. <laughs> like, I think that when I come through... Like, I can be very helpful and considerate. And then there's all the times that I don't come through because I'm just – because my mind is elsewhere or I'm under deadline or I've just organized my life in a way that that um, I'm not including the people I love enough.
0: Yeah, and I, I might be just restating what you're saying, but I think that those two things are, are very much interrelated. yeah. Because uh, because I would say one of the things that I like most about you is you're wildly generous creatively. Like, I was pointing out to you the other day that a, that a line from my girlfriend's boyfriend that's the ending, which is, I, I, I don't believe in marriage. I still don't believe in marriage, but I believe in Jen, and I've given up on the idea of being right. I receive compliments on that line a lot, and in fact... My memory is so blurry of when you and I collaborated on that story in your office that I don't remember if that line was, was created by you or me. I didn't
1: remember either, but I do remember that it wasn't at the end for a while. <laughs> yes, that's true. And we moved it to the end because it's such a yeah. good end. Like that part I do remember and yeah. it's funny because when I hear that line, I feel like that that's something that you would say in real life.
0: But oh, that's I interesting.
1: I don't think I would have thought of that line.
0: Yeah, so maybe I did come up with it. But there's a lot of lines in, in the movies we've worked on over the years and the shows we've worked on and in the, in the pieces for This American Life that you have given me as lines that I use. And you don't run around going, I wrote this line— <laughs> I wrote this one of Mike's
1: lines. <laughs> no, but partly yeah. that's because I just don't remember. But also, like, I have to say, like, that's the way we make the radio show. Like, we all we all feed each other lines. I mean, in a way, that like, it's a very traditional kind of, like, writer's room for when you're writing a TV show or something. Like, like we're all giving each other lines all the time that we put into each other's scripts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, oh, oh, actually, the inverse of, of what we're, you're saying, what people like most and least about you is... You're describing it as sometimes you let people down. Is that what you were saying? You would describe it as?
1: Yes. I feel like I'm in a constant struggle with everybody who I love to, to, to be there as much as, I, as much as they want me to. And, um, and I, I feel like I, I don't do the greatest job. I try.
0: But I think that it's interrelated because I think it's because you're so generous that the expectation for generosity becomes so high that you can't actually meet up to your own standard. <laughs> that might be true of you. That is so not true. Of me. <laughs> no, that's my analysis of you. Hey, friends, I want to take a moment and tell you about Bicycle Coffee Company. Uh, it's important to support. Local uh, small businesses right now. This is one out of Oakland that I love. It's a family business, started in 2009, and since then they've grown and they deliver quality, sustainably farmed coffee beans, roasted fresh to order. And uh, they got light roast, medium roast, dark roast. That's what I drink, espresso blend, decaf. They ship these big two-and-a-half-pound bags, which is what I get for a better bulk value. You can save 15% on your next order with the discount code BRBIGS, bicyclecoffeeco.com. Now back to the show. So one of the reasons why I asked you to come back today and you so generously were willing to come back is that A lot of people, including when Jimmy Kimmel was on, was was like, I want to I want to hear more working it out and more sort of finished products. And uh, and so I thought, well, you gave a lot of great notes on my story the first time. So why don't I write a new draft? So I, I did a page one rewrite based on your notes and to paraphrase because because people can just go back and listen to episode 1 it's really easy right but the gist of your notes and it was a really thoughtful note uh, the macro note was the story was intended to be a part of my YMCA pool show and for people who don't know this it's a it's a story that I'm I'm working on a show about middle age and 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 mortality and and having a midlife crisis and thinking about death and natural causes and all this stuff and 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 I I had cancer when I was nineteen, and I basically told Ira this story about having cancer when I was nineteen. And then at the end of the story, I say, and and that was the moment when I started becoming preoccupied with death. And and Ira's note, in a nutshell, was. Uh, you actually didn't pinpoint the moment. <laughs> it was such a good note and uh, so simple, which is you just go, you're not, you're saying you're doing the thing, which is explaining to people the moment that, that you became preoccupied with death, but actually that moment is not felt or understood or lived in. Um, is that safe to say that that's what your criticism was?
1: It's funny, like I haven't thought about this since we did that podcast and that was months ago. And then you and I agreed that I wouldn't listen again to it to prepare for this one. So I so I do remember vaguely that that you told that story and that yeah, like you never got to the part of the story where where you said, like, okay, here's the moment where I confronted this for the first time. Like you there was no there was no moment with feeling in the story the way you had told it.
0: And this is actually a thing that I'm asked a lot, even though I am not a producer on This American Life, I am only someone who's contributed stories to the show. People say, how do you get a story on This American Life? And I always say, um, I don't know. <laughs> That's my first <laughs> answer. I have no idea. Uh, it's like the chocolate factory over there. I don't really know how it works. Um, but but that in my experience, I've noticed that that you want stories that are... Uh, high stakes, uh, and surprising. And yeah, I would say that that that's the big thing. I think a lot of times people are pitching you stories. In my experience, friends of mine who've pitched stories who haven't, who, where the stories haven't made it on the show is the story's a good story, but it's either not surprising or it's not high stakes.
1: Right. But can I say low stakes and surprising is just as good. Like,
0: like, like... Uh, That's interesting.
1: Yeah, like, like, I, it's funny. Like, I, I was just, I was talking to a producer today about this story we did, like, in our first year or two. And literally the story was, there was a guy uh, who I interviewed who, who basically, he witnessed this thing where he said he was standing on a subway platform in New York. And there was a man walking up to people one after another <laughs> and, and saying something to the people and then he would just move on to the next person. So he would walk up to somebody, mm-hmm. stand very close, say something, yeah. and then move on to the next person. And and, and and people weren't doing anything because of his him doing this, like they weren't reacting very much. Like like there was very little of exchange, but the man would just walk up, say a thing, and move on to the next person. And he was just like, What is, what is he what is he saying? And, and so so I'm telling you, Mike, the stakes of this are very, very low, right? It's just a man walking up to people on, on the subway. Sure. And sure. and 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 as the guy gets closer, he hears that the man is saying to people, Okay, you're in. You can stay. And he'll go to the next oh, that's person. Very be like, funny. He'll be like, You're out. And then and then and, 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 and people wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't leave. You know what I mean? Like nothing. You just and then and then what the interviewee noticed was as the guy got closer and closer. He's like, "Oh, he's going to do me." And and he's get starts to get a little excited inside. And the guy sure enough walks yeah. up to him and there's a pause. And the guy looks at him and says, "Okay, you can stay." And then <laughs> the interview my interview Brett. He's like, he's like he felt amazing even though yeah. n- n- nothing happened. Like he like staying yeah. like like you know what I mean like th- like and he had no idea like this guy had no authority. He's just like simply being checked sure. feels like a thing. And I feel like it's a really good example of a story where like it's just like every detail is, is kind of like both is surprising in itself and pulls you forward with a question of what is going to happen and what does it mean? And then it goes to this nice thought at the end of like, oh, it feels very good yeah. to get picked even if there are no stakes at all. And so the stakes can be very low as long as it's surprising. Whereas I think in comedy, the rules are, are a little bit different, actually. Yeah, Like it's almost like, it's almost like the punchline to the joke like the machinery of it is so different. Like when you and I work on stuff, like I feel so aware of like the machine of what is required for a stand up bit is just, there just have to be like a string of pearls and each pearl has to be so shiny and then it has to kind of like end on a really big pearl and then you can that's move right. on to the next bit.
0: That's true, yeah. It's interesting you're saying about stakes, like the stakes can be low, but I think that the stakes have to be high to the, to the narrator.
1: Oh, if that's a really good low, point. If
0: they're going to be low.
1: Yeah, there's so many movies actually built around that, right? Like, like in the end, even something like like Stand By Me. There's like a dead, yes, but actually, what it's about is their friendship.
0: Oh my gosh, that takes my breath away! As an example, that's exactly right. What are the stakes of Stand By Me? I mean,
1: I think the stakes of Stand By Me are really like about whether about like what does their friendship mean with each other? Like, like in, in the end, like that's 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 the thing that's getting. I don't know. Like, like they're, they're on this adventure to see this to see this dead body, but but it's called "Stand By Me because it's really just about like their friendship.
0: Stepping away from my chat with Ira to do what, on the surface, is gonna seem like a commercial for socks, but of course, it is not because it is for Bomba's Socks. So Bomba's Socks, I'm aware of because they advertise on podcasts and on the radio, and I was so hooked in by their message, which is so simple, which is we made the most comfortable socks on the planet, uh, and I, I tried that, and it's true. And we give, for every a pair of socks you purchase, we give a, a, a pair donated to someone in need. They've given away 40 million pairs of socks to people who are homeless across the United States. I mean, this is a great company. They're 100% backed for life. They have a customer happiness team to make sure you're satisfied. If not, they'll, they'll issue a refund. Go to bombas.com slash burbigs today and get 20% off your first order. Bombas.com slash burbigs. Working it out is also sponsored by Me Undies Underwear. Uh, I uh, wear Me Undies. I found it from listening to podcasts like this one. Uh, and they said it's the most comfortable underwear. And I said, okay, let me try it. I did. I'm all in. I'm here to tell you you should try it. I called them and said, would you sponsor this podcast? And uh, and they said yes. And so now I got an offer code. To get 15% off of your first order of me undies and free shipping, free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Berbigs. Again, that's MeUndies.com slash Berbigs. Uh, perfect uh, for the holidays. and they It's just super soft, breathable, light, impossibly cozy underwear. MeUndies.com slash for bigs. And now back to the show. Okay, so I'll tell you this story. It's a rewrite of the story I told you last time. Um, and, uh, and I'll even time it just to understand sort of how long it is at this point. I haven't timed myself doing it.
1: It's so funny Um, you say that
0: because literally, as you said that, I pulled
1: out a stopwatch because I actually can't take notes on anything without timing it because the time tells me some structural things.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. Okay. Um, I've been thinking a lot about aging uh, because I I turned 42 this year. And when you're middle-aged, people use the phrase over the hill, which is a phrase I never understood until I got on the hill and I looked around and I go, oh, there's natural causes. They're not close, but they're coming. When I was 19, I was driving home from college and I pulled over at a rest stop to pee and there was blood in my pee. It was a very specific type of blood because the instant it would hit the water, it would create what I can only describe as a fireworks display of blood in the toilet, which I'd never seen. It was like, poof, 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 as if to say, congratulations, you might have cancer. I didn't, (laughs) by the way, I didn't know I had cancer, but I knew it wasn't a good sign. I got home and I was worried, and so I told my parents (laughs) about the fireworks, and they're concerned. And so they take me to the urologist the next morning. My urologist just so happens to be a friend of my dad. A little piece of advice, if your dad's friend ever starts fiddling with your junk, make sure he has a degree. And even then, <laughs> check out the user reviews. My u- my urologist was actually my dad's golf buddy, which didn't make me feel like we were in a cone of silence. So anyway, my dad's golf buddy, who we'll call uh, Dr. Working, still working on this. I have Dr. Bogeyballs. I was trying to come up with just sort of a fun (laughs) non-name. So Dr. or Dr. Mulligan, maybe. I was just trying to come up with a golf name. I like Dr. Mulligan better. So Dr. Mulligan says, take down your pants. And he gets a good look at everything. Sticks his finger in my butt for good measure. Which I'm assuming is just for kicks, since the butt and penis are, according to everything I learned from middle school graffiti entirely unrelated. For some reason, I feel the need to stop Dr. Mulligan uh, and in the middle of all this and say, is it possible that the blood... <laughs> this is such an embarrassing story, but it's like I was 19. I, this is almost a direct quote. I said, is it possible the blood is from masturbating too much? Which I'm guessing, if there are urological drinking games, is one of the key phrases <laughs> because he did not seem surprised that I was asking. Uh, It was like this is a question he gets asked 65 (laughs) times a day, like with me, how people are like, what's it like to be a comedian? With him, they're like, tell me the truth. Am I masturbating too much? (laughs) And he goes, it's not that. But he says, but to be on the safe side, we're going to put you under anesthesia tomorrow morning for a cystoscopy. I go home and I spend the afternoon Googling cancer, which, by the way, I do not recommend. If, if you're looking for some fun searches, I would try half-court buzzer beaters or my dog can talk, but do not search for cancer. There are 1 billion results, which is 10 times as many results as there are cells in one cubic centimeter of a tumor. What I'm saying is don't Google cancer.
1: <laughs> Wait. I feel like I'm warning. Keep going.
0: <laughs> it's like a math joke. It's like a, a math, math cancer joke.
1: Math cellular something joke. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: like, wow, I feel like yeah. I'm, I'm, is it, I'm just laughing. I'm getting educated. Keep going. <laughs> exactly. So that's, so that's the key thing about cancer is the sheer number and multiplication of cells that cause a tumor. And I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom reading my computer, and I'm on one site that explains that cancer is a disease caused by an uncontrolled division of abnormal cells. And I sort of think, like, I don't get it. And, and, and to be clear, I get it, the way I get that water is two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, which is to say I don't get it, but I'll drink it, and I'll definitely drink <laughs> it if you add sugar and caramel-colored secret ingredients that may or may not cause cancer. So I wake up in the morning... My mom drives me to the hospital, and we say hello to to Dr. Mulligan's uh, wife, who turns out is my nurse. So apparently it's a family business, which is an interesting parallel to my own parents, who, as you know, Ira, are a doctor and a nurse. Yes. You have to sympathize with the doctor and nurse couples if it just so happens they enjoy role-playing in bed. They're like, I guess I'll just keep on my work clothes. So... (laughs) So I, get, so I get into my gown, and I'm freezing. It's the winter. And I'm typically not a gown guy in the winter. If I had known it was going to be so cold, I would have brought my own gown that was more weather appropriate. I would have I brought a goose down gown. Uh, <laughs> what's sad, what's sad no. about the goose down gown, you know, is that they told the geese they were going in for feather surgery. <laughs> no. I'm glad you're laughing at that because it's so stupid. Like, I almost really didn't, I almost didn't to, say it. <laughs> I'm just
1: like, even when you got out of the gown, I was like, "Where the fuck is this bit going?" We 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 go and digress and talk about
0: the gown. Okay, fine. <laughs> and like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, but but then again, like all you have to do is just get to feather surgery, which I think <laughs> you know. I just think it's a funny line. Um, okay, so what I remember from this day is I'm freezing, uh, the, the nurse puts an IV in my vein, and I slowly fall asleep, which I have to say, even in a hospital, pretty nice. So while I'm under uh, anesthesia, they put a scope through my penis into my bladder, uh, which is what the procedure is, they didn't sort of improvise that, and they spot what looks like it might be a tumor. So they make an executive decision to pump me with more drugs to extend this nap, and they take out what seems to be a tumor and I wake up and I'm so high uh, that they, they, they don't even tell me what happened really. Uh, I, I'm coming down from the drugs for a few hours. And eventually my parents drive me home and I'm slowly coming down and, uh, and it, it was, I remember this very well. In the, in the kitchen of my parents' house, they told me about the tumor and that the biopsy would take a few days, but that I might have cancer. My mom is generally the more cheery of the two parents, and she said, I I think it's going to be okay. And my dad did not seem as optimistic. He goes, well, we don't know that. It was sort of a good cop, bad cop of cancer. Like, my my mom is like, we're going to get you out of here. Maybe it's good cancer. My dad kicks the door closed and is like, I'm thinking bad cancer, I don't know, but I don't know what bad cop would do. Um, ver- a version of bad cop. So I start crying in the kitchen, like a lot, like like someone hit me in the face with a baseball bat level of crying. And my mom says, "Your dad is just upset. I think you're going to be okay." And I'm crying. I'm. I feel so emotionally raw that I tell them that that Doctor Mulligan's wife, the nurse whom I will call Nurse Inappropriate, said to me, Mike, when you were high, I'm going to take out Nurse Inappropriate because I think that that's not funny enough. Um, I'm feeling so emotionally raw that I tell them that Dr. Mulligan's wife, who was a nurse, said to me, Mike, when you were high on the drugs from the surgery, you thought I was your mom. And you said to me, Mom, I love you. And my dad got so mad. He said, she should not be telling you that. Not only does my dad not say I love you, but he's very discouraging of other people relaying it. So I walk back up to my bedroom, and days later, I'm diagnosed with a malignant tumor in my bladder, but the margins were good and they caught it early. And the doctors decided not to do chemo and radiation. Because their gamble was that maybe it was an anomaly. And maybe it was. Because I go in every year for a cystoscopy, and it hasn't come back to this very day. But as I'm arriving on top of the hill, I've discovered a new perspective of what happened to me when I was 19. Which is, I was lucky. Not everyone gets blood in their pee. Blood in your pee is if you're lucky enough to have a symptom of what's going on inside your body because no one really knows what's going on inside their body at any given moment. It just as easily might not have created a fireworks display in my pee. And if there isn't a fireworks display for every event taking place inside my body, then what else is going on that is possibly preparing to attack my own body from the inside? Are there a hundred million other abnormal cells in my body rapidly dividing? I've been thinking about that at least once a week for the last 23 years. I'm 42 years old and the cancer hasn't come back, but that was the week I first became preoccupied with death.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was better. So that was that was uh, eleven minutes and forty nine seconds, fifty seconds, and yeah. um, like I have line edits through it, like just in a. Is there a script that I could look at as we talk about this? I don't. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. Minutes, but like.
0: Yeah, um, so do you, I guess my first question is: Is does it does it achieve the, the does it answer the question that you had about following through on the promise of explaining the moment that I started to understand my own mortality?
1: Sort of. I feel like it's almost there, but but one of the things that's strange in this is that it seems like you have three different spots where you think it's yeah. cancer. And and really like the first two don't have much feeling. Right. And then and then in the third one I feel like you could feel more, if that makes sense. Sure. Like 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 it was a little confusing, like like you pee. And then you, then you have like a cancer joke there with the fireworks display. Yeah. And, and what it create it makes it seem like, okay, this is where you first are scared that it's cancer. You think that it's cancer. But did you think it was cancer? Like, like I mean, not that you have to stick to what happened in real life in, in this context, but like, did you think it
0: was, was cancer really at that point? I don't, well, it's a really good question. When there was blood in my pee when I was driving home, <sighs> you, you. this is similar to a question you asked last time. I don't think it's as much as I thought I had cancer. It's just like when you see a symptom that's that alarming, it's hard to think not the worst thing. You know what I mean? Like you're just thinking like, ugh, this is bad. Like this is really bad. I think if you keep the, I think if
1: you think then that it's cancer, whatever it is, the first time that you think it's cancer yeah. It, it has to it has to be a thing that that like and 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 then if it starts to seem like it really is cancer, then then you can yeah. double down on it. Um
0: I know what you mean. I mean, this is similar to what you said last time cuz you were you were saying last time like, well, like one of the main things is that last time I said the middle age over the hill joke and then I said I had cancer when I was 19, which I changed. You were like if you if you give away that it's cancer, you're 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 putting the audience ahead of the story. Yeah. And and so I changed it to just when I was 19 I was driving home from college. Um and I think what you're saying is is that you I might as well withhold when there's blood in my pee the feeling of that it might be cancer until maybe when I wake up from the from from the uh surgery. In which case then, then I, I start to sort of ruminate on how serious it could be.
1: Yeah, like, like there's a thing here that happens where like, where like, there's like, congratulations, you might have cancer when you pee, right? Which is just a line for a joke. And then when you leave the, the doctor the first time after talking about like, is it cause I'm masturbating? You immediately go home and spend the afternoon Googling cancer. But right. again, it's like you don't feel anything and <sighs> yeah yeah
0: i understand and, i understand, I understand. And, like in and, other in words in a way like
1: like yeah. in a way like i feel like if you're going to google do it fucking later if you want to keep the googling jokes no
0: i know and them. and to be clear and ira pointed this out in the last episode that we did and i think it's a it's important to point out because it has to do with what ira's profession is in journalism and also my profession is as a storyteller i it when ira and i work on stories that are about my life and my memories. I am very liberal with chronology of when I felt a certain thing, when, and the convenience of of uh, of timeline in store in story. Whereas when you're telling a a, 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 st- a story journalistically, you're very strict on fact checking. <laughs> yes,
1: moments. yeah, we don't move around the timeline <laughs> ever. Like, no, it, things happen <laughs> yes. in the
0: exact order
1: that they they happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, but, but, but you know, anyway, you're, you're, so, so you're, I just want yeah. people
0: to understand that as, as I'm working on this, which is to say that, like, like I, I was suggesting that there's three moments where I bring up realizing I might have cancer. And I think what you're suggesting is that if those consolidated all to the final moment of when I'm home, in other words, that my parents say this thing to me, I go upstairs, I'm Googling cancer for the first time, I don't even know what cancer is, and I have cancer, that that, that moment might contain the most emotional impact to place all of that feeling uh, in that plot point.
1: Yeah. Like, I guess I'm wondering where to locate the feeling because what happens is you do the good cop, bad cop thing, and then you just say, like, I'm crying and feeling raw. But somehow, like, I feel like you're describing it from the outside. I'm still not getting... like, Like, when they say the word cancer to you, I feel like... That would the, the the you know when they say like it'll take days and what they're going to test is do you have cancer, like like right. up, in, up until this point has the doctor told you you might have cancer?
0: No, and that's something you pointed out last time, which is that uh, it's not the doctor who tells me; it's my parents. Oddly, yeah,
1: that's fucked up. But also, like before the procedure, did you know it might? Did he say and what this might be is it might be cancer?
0: Yeah, I think that was in the air. I think it was in the air.
1: Yeah, I think you need to choose your spot where you learn yeah. this might be cancer, and I think sure, th- I think that this is probably the best spot is they tell you you might have cancer, and, yeah. and I think you, I think you might want to build out like right now you're saying it in a very general way. You say I'm coming down from the drugs in the kitchen. They tell me about the tumor and the biopsy, and it's going to take a couple of days, but I might have cancer. Like right now, you're not putting that in either of their mouths. But I feel like you should figure out which one of them is saying that to you and have them say it to you. And then you yeah. should have a reaction to it.
0: Right. Like as a piece of dialogue as opposed to a generality of like, my parents told me.
1: Yeah. And I feel like if my your My dad, dad said
0: it, blank as opposed to my parents told me blah, blah, blah.
1: Knowing your family, I would expect that it's your dad who gives you that news. And then when your mom yeah. comes in all cheery, it might not be, that could kick off the bit about yeah about like... Them slipping into this this good cop bad cop thing. Good
0: cop bad cop role. But before
1: yeah. they do, like I just think like when they bring the word cancer on stage, like like you know you have a tumor, like and it might be cancer. Like, I don't know. You just have to react, and and say something, and like, and and like, do you remember? I mean, I. I From any of like your cancer experience, like what you would picture, like would you picture like when I was, okay, this is like me, like when my, when my, when my uncle Lenny went to Vietnam, I was like a kid, I was like six or seven and, um, and I just pictured him dying all the time. And then I pictured myself dying and I really would lay in bed and I would picture the entire universe going on. Without me alive, like okay, I'm not around. I'll never be conscious again. But everything continues without me, and I would just lay in bed as a little kid and try to picture what that is. And um, and uh, and like and did like I think if you had anything that you pictured or thought as your mind tried to get yourself around the idea that it's cancer, I still kind of feel like like it's just going to be like like I don't know just. Like, like, you just need a beat, like it doesn't have to be elaborate. But if you have something,
0: yes, yeah, no, I, you know, what something just came to me when I, I, w- I was sort of like transporting myself to that moment. The, the thing, the sense memory that brings me there is like the smell of carpet from my bedroom, my parents' house. Mm-hmm. But it's like I just remember, like I've always been like a real talker. Like I'm on the phone a lot. You and I talk on the phone a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember that I didn't call anyone. You know, like, like, wow. I, like, like, it was almost like it silenced me, like the, uh, the thought of death silenced me. That's good. I didn't call my, I didn't call my friends. I didn't call the like, kids I grew up with. I didn't call anybody. I just was silenced in my room. And it was just sort of like, yeah, that might be it. That might be it. And it's just me saying it to myself. It's not it's not me it's not me being like Sarah you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you're not going to believe this Sarah. I have cancer. Rajiv, get over here. I might have cancer. You know what I mean? It was just it t- it took my breath away. Literally. I
1: like I like that as being the thing. When they say to you cancer if if you can do a beat that's like like and 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 like yeah, if if you do a beat of like and like and it silenced me. Like 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 yeah. in that moment, and also like in the moments in, in in the days to come, like 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 yeah, like like the main thing about me is I don't shut up. <laughs> and, no, and I, I don't like shut I, up, and I ru- yeah and, yeah sorry. like like and 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 like and and to to process anything, I, I call. That's a funny talk, joke,
0: by the way. The main thing about me is I don't shut up. Is a very funny line.
1: But also, I feel like you could say like you know, and I was silenced for days, and then you could pause and you say, obviously, I've gotten over that. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, witness this entire show where all I'm doing is talking oh, about that's my very own. Death.
0: Funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've worked th- obviously. I've worked through it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And here we
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> that's very um, funny. No, and I, I actually have more to say about that because once, because, it's it's almost like the the when I speak, um, it, when I speak with people, with friends and family, it is actually how I work through feelings. And I was silenced by this event because I actually thought my feelings no longer matter because I may not exist.
1: I like that too and the, And then the other thing I feel like you could do is you could stage the silence on stage, which is like yeah. as radical in a comedy show as it is on the radio to just stop and just yeah. like let a moment, which you which you've done in shows. I've heard you do, but like yeah. it's always powerful. And like, yeah, like, like that. I could picture you figuring out some way to say, like, so that's what my dad says, and what I say was nothing.
0: In closing, how close? to being a story for this American life is this story.
1: Halfway there. (laughs) Halfway there? Oh,
0: my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, just an awful estimate.
1: The margins are are terrible on that. Well, no, we just got a structure, but now there's like, jokes to fix and do you know what i mean all the like, work to,
0: yeah all the work all the work that has to be there's done. digressions
1: yeah. to like i feel like you can have certain digressions but you can't have all of them like either you do the, sure. the, the goose down thing or you don't do the golf thing or sure sure all like, oh, that's 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 the machining of it
0: yeah that seems that seems good i am up i'm up to the challenge i know but you, you feel are. like it but you feel like it's closer than than we were last time in mm-hmm. june
1: yeah like like n- n- yeah, it's getting closer, yeah like now now i f- I feel like I can see a th- a thing with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and jokes
0: and feelings. Do you feel like this will end up in my final show?
1: Some version of this probably will, yeah,
0: yeah, it's funny because the version that I was saying I said to you is somewhere between like nine and twelve minutes. I'm gonna guess that if it is in the final show, it might be about six minutes. Yeah, that seems about right to me too. But I think that the, the silencing thing is, is quite significant because I think that that's what makes it specific. And that's, I think that's what brings you into like what you were describing earlier, the feeling and the specific feeling as opposed to like the generic feeling of, you know, I might die or I'm crying or any, anything that, any general way that you might describe feeling.
1: But I feel like once you have that on stage, that when you get so serious, you're silent, like you can use yeah. that again elsewhere in the show. And like, and if I, if I can just r- remember, like you spend a certain amount of the show talking about swimming laps, right? Yeah. Like the one thing you can't do when you're swimming laps is talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's why you're Ira Glass.
1: Well, no, I'm saying like, like I just feel like it you're could, absolutely right. Of it course, could come, it could come back in when you're swimming oh, that's laps, phenomenal. and you're that's forced phenomenal. into and you're forced into silence. That that's a moment that you have to sit with these thoughts, just
0: like oh, just wow. like in your parents' oh, kitchen. Oh yeah. Oh that's great. Oh that's great. I love that.
1: Like you can't reach for your phone. You can't like yeah. shoot a comment over. Oh to my Jen. gosh. Like, it's the one time in your day when you literally, it's impossible for you to talk. And so you have to sit there and
0: and, and think. To bring people up to speed, it's it's one of the structural elements of the YMCA pool show is about how I, as a kid, I went to the YMCA pool to learn how to swim. But then from childhood on, I avoided the YMCA pool actively until... I was forty years old, and my doctor said because of my breathing and I had type two diabetes that I really should consider going back to the YMCA and swimming very seriously. And so I did, and I started regularly swimming laps. And this is what I was referencing. I just want to make sure people understand what we're talking about,
1: right? And and Ira, you need to
0: understand that when when people are listening to things on the radio or like on a podcast, you need to bring them up to speed (laughs) uh, so that they understand the context of what you're talking about. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the note. Good note. Um.
1: So, so yeah, like, like the notion, yeah, like I think it could be very pretty, actually, the notion that like for you, silence, um, like, like to bind that with your thinking about death and the fact that then you find yourself in the water swimming and it basically puts you back into that situation where you can't talk and and yeah. and you're thinking about like, basically, you're swimming for your life anyway. Like you're swimming because the doctor told you you need to in order
0: to live. Yeah. You know, I should call my mom. My mom and just I should I call my mom, and I should interview her about this incident in my life because she probably has so many great details. Like we went to visit her uh, in the backyard of of their house recently, and and my mom said this thing that made me laugh so hard, which is, in my senior year in high school, I had been avoiding uh, my science requirement all through high school, and so I took it as a senior, and it was a class full of sophomores, and I was I was terrible. And in my senior spring i was I was getting I think a C minus, minus. and my parents were really worried that my college was going to revoke my acceptance <laughs> and because my grade was so bad. and so they called this my teacher, Mr. Anderson, my chemistry teacher, and they said, "Is this going to be okay like is, you know is my Mike, Mike's getting a C minus that seems really bad?" And he goes, "He'll be fine, he'll be fine he'll 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 do okay on the, on the final." He goes, um, but I really like having Mike in my class because he's so willing to go up to the board and fail. He <laughs> never has the right answer. Wow. He, he's, he, he doesn't barely understand what we're talking about, but he's willing to, to try... And understand it. And as a result, these younger sophomores who look up to him, because he's like a student leader and all this stuff, like, they're like, well, if he can fail, then I can try and fail too. And he said, he's like, it's a very positive influence on the class itself. That's really interesting.
1: And it's also really, it's, I feel like that's interesting to me in a couple of ways. First of all, <laughs> number one, it's kind of insulting. <laughs> it's so <laughs> insulting. No, it's beyond but number, insulting. But number two, like like it just so reminds me of like what your early comedy career was like, where you would just go on stage. Early
0: by the way, Ira, early and late.
1: Whatever. Like, like you know, <laughs> just of like, uh, just like some. I mean, like, yeah. Late in terms of it, just, like, yeah, you go up, to, you go up on stage with the material, you have no idea if it's going to work. Like you think it's going to yeah. work, and then, and then some yeah. of it definitely doesn't doesn't
0: work. I can, I can, I've, I've been there, I've seen it. It's trial and error. It's trial and error. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, th- and that's why I think people liked the first episode we did of the show, and I get so much feedback on episode one where we t- tried tried a version of this story. And, and then I rewrote it. I did a page one rewrite. And at the end of it, you're like, it's halfway there. And it's a page one rewrite. <laughs> it's not like I tweaked a couple things. Like I reconceived it. And you're like, it's halfway there. Which, by the way, I'm saying in the most positive way. So if people are listening to this, just understand that this is how many drafts of my things that Ira and I work on before they end up being a thing.
1: Yeah, that doesn't seem, I, it's so funny. I mean, I guess I'm just, yeah. Like, it's not, it's, that seems so not strange to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we would, like, do, get, get one more kind of restructure and then you're just, and yeah, like, it still has a ways to go, for sure.
0: Oh, and the one last thing is, um, and you did this last time, but the last section of the show is uh, I give to a nonprofit of your choice, so, is there is there a nonprofit that 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 you do you want to support this week?
1: Um, sure. There's there's a there's a food bank in El Paso that uh, that I read about, that uh, that has these incredibly long lines, uh, and they're giving out food, and they say they're going to run out of money by the end of the year unless some sort of like other funding comes in. Um, and uh, their name, hold on. Yeah, th- yeah. the one I'm talking about is the El Pasoans fighting hunger food bank.
0: Okay, so I'm going to give to them, and uh, and thank you for, uh, thanks for working on this story with me. That was fun. Okay, good. Working it out, because it's not done. We're working it out, because there's no... So that's our episode with the great Ira Glass Pulitzer Prize winner, multiple Peabody Award-winning host and producer of This American Life, among his many other projects. He's uh, collaborated with me on the new one, uh, Don't Think Twice, uh, Sleepwalk With Me, uh, many other things. Um, One thing I want to tell you is we're doing more virtual shows. We have four more coming up uh, at the end of uh, December, so the day after Christmas, the 26th, the 27th, and the 28th, get your tickets fast at burbigs.com because they do sell out. They've been so cool, so fun. Join us. Also, if you're enjoying the Working It Out show, uh, give us a rating or a stars or a things where you say you like it or a user (laughs) review. Wherever you're enjoying this, just say, hey, I like this. Uh, we really appreciate it. It'll help more people find our special little show. Working It Out is produced by myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Bolinski, assistant editor Mabel Lewis. Thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff, for his music. As always, a special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is always at your local bookstore, curbside, perfect for the holidays. And as always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created a radio fort. Hope to see everybody at the virtual shows after Christmas. And thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends, even tell your enemies, because it's the holiday season. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody.